that science has determined how much space you should leave when you're talking to someone. It's between a foot and a half and four feet. Now you may be wondering what happens if you get closer than a foot and a half. Uh, they just burst into flames. It's horrible to experience. Now, of course, that's not true, but it kind of feels like it, doesn't it? If you've ever had someone that has busted your personal bubble, you know that it is quite awkward. You'll be talking to them, and they'll, like, creep in, and so you do, like, the one-step-back lean, whatever, but they just kind of, like, follow you. They just lean in, uh, and my experience is that they're not trying to be mean. They're just accidentally making it awkward, and there are lots of things in life that are awkward, aren't there? A few of my favorites that I've observed is a, uh, a rock song going off from someone's phone during a funeral. Um, I was sitting next to someone at a movie theater where the main character died, and they just started laughing hysterically. Or uh, the most scarring one for me was I was trying to say the word stilettos in front of 100 people. It doesn't matter why. And... <laughs> I could not get the word out. And so I was just out there, stis, 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 and it was, it was horrible. I still have nightmares. Point being, there are a lot of things in this life that we can classify as awkward, and that's because the definition of awkward is actually quite broad. For something to be awkward, it just has to be something that goes against the norm. You're not supposed to have a rock song at a funeral. You're not supposed to laugh when someone dies on screen. Well, tonight I have some potentially bad news. Uh, followers of Jesus are supposed to be a little bit awkward. Their lives are supposed to be contrary to the norm. And so for our final talk in this series on the Christian community, uh, we're going to be spending some time in the letter of 1 Peter. We're going to primarily root ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, but because this is a theme that, that weaves its way through the, the letter, uh, we're going to hop around a little bit. And so from our text, we're going to see what makes us awkward, how the world responds to that awkwardness, and then how awkwardness is supposed to play out in real life. So what makes us awkward? Verse 11 of our text. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Peter refers to us as sojourners and exiles, and these are just two terms that mean that this isn't our home and we don't quite fit in. And you really don't need anyone to tell you that. You don't need a name tag that says, hi, I don't fit in here. It's normally quite obvious by the way you're acting. Uh, when, we, when we lived in Chicago, you could always tell who the sojourners were because they would be the ones that were looking up rather than walking hurriedly and looking down. Or they'd be the ones who were unable to parallel park and would slow down for yellow lights rather than speed up for them. Their actions made it abundantly clear that they didn't fit in there. And the Christian and Christians are, are the same way. We're going through life as everyone else is, but the way that we're doing it is different enough that Peter says we are like sojourners and exiles. And he actually explains in our text what makes us different. We abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now, we are programmed by our sex-saturated society to think that Peter is talking about sexual desire. And, and, and while that can certainly fit into the concept behind this phrase, uh, what Peter is talking about isn't limited to lust. 
this little phrase, passions of the flesh, is just one word in Greek that if we translate it literally, it's a hyper-desire or an over-desire. It's an excessive and obsessive urge towards something. And really, anything can be this something, but normally it's a good thing that you have made the ultimate thing. Um, let me give you an example. Winning. Winning is a good thing. And we should strive to do our best, but when winning becomes an ultimate thing, the ultimate motivator and driving urge in your life, it becomes a passion of the flesh, which really dehumanizes and kind of destroys you. Uh, If you make winning the ultimate thing in your life, you will become fearful of not winning, angry at all those who would take away your win, and when you inevitably lose you'll slip into despair because you're no longer a winner. Let me give you another one. Uh, School, grades. Good grades are, are good, and you should strive to do the best in whatever subject you're studying in, but they can become an over-desire really, really fast. Extreme example. I have a friend who's getting his PhD right now. He was telling me about his orientation where the person in charge got up and as a word of encouragement shared her experience as a doctoral student. She was hospitalized several times, got not one, but two divorces, and her child still has PTSD because she gave her up for a period of time, because she had no time to care for her, because she had to get her doctorate. That's an extreme case of something being good becoming ultimate. And while that's extreme, the practice really isn't. We all have something that we look to Uh, to motivate us, to define us. Everyone has something. But the thing that makes us different is that a Christian's motivation is different than the world's. That's what makes us awkward in the world's eyes. And anytime we encounter someone awkward, we we have a knee-jerk reaction to that, right? The world does as a whole, in fact. And Peter gives us a glimpse of that in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, uh, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. I don't want us to get too hung up on the list. Uh, because it's not, uh, the point is not to have an exhaustive list of everything wrong with the world. Just note that all six of these things are unrestrained and wanton acts. In other words, these are all desires that have gone out of control. They're, they're over-desires. And this is the way that Christians used to be, but all that's in the past now because of Jesus. And so when the world observes someone not acting like this, they're surprised that we aren't going along with everyone else. Uh, We are like someone trying to run up the down escalator during rush hour when everyone is coming down. It just, it doesn't make sense to them. They're confused and surprised. But the way the world expresses their confusion and shock is to malign us. Now, that's a word that we don't use a lot, but it just sounds bad, doesn't it? Uh, And all it means is to metaphorically rake someone through the mud, to... To, to speak poorly of them and try to discredit them in the eyes of everyone. And you might be thinking that's a bit extreme for a little bit of awkwardness. 
And that's partially cultural. Like we, we have to understand that back in biblical times, things are far more communal. What I did affected all of you and vice versa. And so if I wasn't showing up to worship the local gods, or if I wasn't after, at the after party, um, they assumed that I was a troublemaker, that I was trying to bring the wrath of the gods down on the city. And so they would do everything in their power to conform me to the norm. Now, the, the gods look a little bit different, but I think the practice really hasn't changed, has it? Uh, I think we've all learned the lesson that it's better by far to keep things as they are, to just stick with the stuff we know, to just stick with the status quo. Here's what I'm trying to say so far. We as Christians have a different heart value. We have a different motivation. And that makes us awkward in the eyes of the world. And the world's reaction to that is to try to pressure us back in line, to get us to rejoin the flood. And so we're left with an important question. Why, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with our awkwardness? Should we just follow Timon's advice to Simba that when the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world to just remove yourself as much as possible from it? Or maybe we should let the flood carry us some of the way so that we're not quite as awkward as we might be. Well, here's how Peter expects things to play out in real life. I'm back in chapter 2, looking at verse 12. He says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter sees our awkwardness playing out as living honorably among unbelievers. And what this means is that we just don't flat out reject everything in the world. We just remove ourselves from it. We are, in fact, to join in in parts of it, the parts that are commendable and God-honoring. But we do so not to be noticed or to build ourselves up, but so that we have opportunity to glorify God. And here's how Peter sees this playing out. I hopped over to chapter 3, um, starting at the last half of verse 14. He says, Have no fear of them, referring to the world, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Peter expects our awkwardness, our, our being different, to lead to a conversation, for, for us to have the opportunity to share with people the hope that is in us. In other words, to share Jesus with them. And if, I, if I'm honest, that's probably the epitome of awkwardness for the Christian, isn't it? To, to go up to someone and say, hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. But I want you to catch something about, uh, about Peter's uh, passage here. Um, the Christian isn't the one initiating the conversation. There are certainly times where the Christian should be the one initiating the conversation, but in this case, in the awkwardness case, someone is coming up to the Christian saying, why are you different? Why are you doing that differently? It's an opportunity to share the hope that we have, but this does assume two things. It assumes that you are walking the talk. Uh, most of you can drive. So I want you to imagine that, that for your birthday or, or when you got your license, your parents decided they were going to buy you a Ford Mustang. Spoil you a little bit, right? And so you're at the Ford dealership, and the dealer is just talking up the Mustang. It's the greatest car ever. Uh, everyone would be a fool not to own one. 
but then you see him drive off the lot in a Chevy Camaro. Now, he might have been telling the truth about the Mustang, but are you going to believe him? No. He discredited everything he said because his life is not lining up with his speech. In the same way, we can talk the talk. We can say, Jesus, 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 all we want. But if our life is not in line with what he has said, we're doing more harm than good. And so our walk has to be consistent with the talk. But our talk also has to be good, too. Uh, did you notice in um, verse 15, we're instructed to, to speak, to share this hope with gentleness and respect. It's very easy to copy the world's tactics here to try to coerce people, or people, to pressure them, to scare them, to assume a level of pride because we have it all figured out and look how great our life is. No, if we are to share the hope that is within us in a biblically awkward way, it has to be done with gentleness, respect, and a good conscience. And what you should be picking up at this point is that it is very hard to do all of this, to be awkward in the biblical sense. It requires courage for us to not fear the world and the pressures that they bring, but it also requires compassion for the per people we're speaking to, for integrity to live this out. And you may be wondering, why in the world, Caleb, would I want to go through all of that trouble just to be awkward? Well, did you catch Peter's answer in verse 15? It's because in our hearts we have honored Christ the Lord as holy. In other words, we've made Jesus king, that he is supreme. He is the chief motivation of our hearts. When we have experienced his great love for us, what he endured for us, it changes things. It forces us, it propels us, it compels us to follow him rather than the destructive over-desires over of the world. It compels us to be courageous in the face of the world's pressures. It compels us to be compassionate and empathetic to the people that might be making our life difficult. And so here's the line in the sand I'm attempting to draw. We need to be awkward, but not in the obnoxious sense that Christians are often caricatured as. We need to be different in an honorable, praiseworthy way that draws attention to the God we serve.